Yes, hello folks, welcome to TWI Boxing Show. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, and joined by the legendary Pocket Rocket, William McCulloch here. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Delighted to be back doing these shows now, myself and William. We're back last week talking to, of course, the one and only Al Bernstein. You'll find our content now, it's up on Spotify, it's up on Apple, iTunes, all that there. It just went up a day or two ago, so uh, if you search for TWI Boxing Show, you'll see it up there. Um, be on all different platforms so thanks to all of you for the support we've had lots of good guests on recently lots of good guests coming up uh, we've got Jamel Herring coming up uh, we'll talk to him about his fight coming up with Kyle Frampton uh, we've got a couple of other guys on the horizon that we've just about to confirm booked that um, I'm really looking forward to talking to some really really good names but it's always a pleasure for me to speak to this legend Wayne McCulloch when I do man good it's always good to be here Phil Always a pleasure, mate. So much to talk about, obviously. So we, we, when we were talking the Al Bernstein last week, when he was mentioning that possibly June would be a return, for, would see a return for boxing behind closed doors. Me and the wife have been holding fights behind closed doors for the last 10 years, so it can definitely be done. <laughs> um, let me ask you, uh, as a fighter yourself, um, what would it feel like to fake behind closed doors? Is it is it something that uh, would feel like a sparring session, or does it feel like a real fight? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's gonna it's gonna feel like a sparring session because when you're sparring a gym is you know more or less empty when you're in training camp, and it's pretty quiet and you've got your coach yelling, the other coach yelling, and but you know what? You still perform. You still get through the emotions that you're gonna do in the fight and try to practice things. And you know, the crowd, I say in a big crowd in a fight, you would pick out maybe a few voices that you're used to. That's about it. The rest is just like high and low with the crowd screaming, the crowd getting lower. And so it's like, if you're going to perform as a fighter, you're going to perform whether there's, there's 50 people in the arena or nobody in the arena, you know, so it's it's just, you're a boxer, that's your job, and you're going to go out and perform. The money not may be the same, but you're going to perform no matter what and stay stay busy, stay active. Well, there's the thing. So interim fights, you know, they can be risky because we've seen, yeah. we've seen fighters take interim fights you know, uh, Waba, one of them, who ended up meeting Manny Pacquiao whenever he had a late change of opponent and all yeah. that there. Uh, you never know what can happen. Interim fights can cost you a hell of a lot. I'm, I'm interviewing uh, Anthony Morataya, uh, uh, who's uh, Tony Ferguson's trainer, on Thursday. Totally, absolute gentleman. He took an interim fight, of course, in MMA. Uh, ended up getting a technical knockout, losing by TKO in the fifth. Lots of these fighters, Wayne, that are taking these interim fights, are fighters that were scheduled to fight for world titles. Obviously, you've got to deal with ring rust, so you, you, you need an interim fight. But are we going to see competitive interim fights, or are we just going to see interim fights that are just about keeping busy for the fighters? Because you, you really don't want to be taking risks. No, if you're, number, if you're number one contender for the belt or whatever, you know, it happened to Tommy Marson back in the day, he took an interim fight and get beat, yeah. and then lost his position. But mm-hmm. it happened to me. I got, I got paid step aside money. When I won the I won the elimination fight June of, of ninety four against Robin Ellis. I was supposed to fight the belt. The Japanese guy Yagashi decided he didn't want to fight me yet, so I had to wait from June of ninety four until July of ninety five. I took mm-hmm. two fights in between. And um one was against the former champion and I, I took a risk but I knew it was the best thing for to stay sharp. And these guys they know they have to stay sharp. You know, so if you get to pay that step aside money, okay it's it's free money more or less. But you have to go out there and win. You got to perform, otherwise you lose. You will lose your spot for the crack at that belt. So you, it's not like you're going to go in there and oh, it's going to be an easy fight. You're going to you're going to get some tough fights, and people are after your number one scout. 
and you got to go out there and perform. You definitely do. Um, and it, so you, you have to balance it between, obviously, TV companies have spent a lot of money. They've spent a lot of money getting secure in the rights of Canelo Alvarez on the zone. Uh, ESPN spent a lot of money with Tyson Fury and all this. Um, and so they want somewhat competitive fights. But the whole different prospect, they fighting in front of no fans, especially if you have a huge fan base. Um, but then there's the other problem. I mean, if you're not getting competitive fights, these guys... How do you uh, continue to pay them? Because uh, it's really only the top 1% or 2% in boxing that make real money. You would imagine the guys beneath that are skint. They don't have a lot of money. They're going to have to take fights. Um, uh, but um, there's, there ha- it has to be a competitive interim fight. Otherwise, it, uh, surely the TV companies are going to we're not interested. Yeah, well, you're right. The, the big fights, you know, the, the, champion, the Wilder, you know, Josh, if fights like that are going to sell 10, 20 million just in the gate fee alone of the audience. So that's gone right away. That Right away, that's gone. You know, so Conor McGregor can get like a 12, $20 million um, gate fee. Mm-hmm. That's gone for him, you know what I mean? So buying closed doors right away, there's $20 million off the, out, of the, out of the pocket right away. So, you know, you just, they got to take, the fighters have to take a, a cut in their, in their purses or, if they still want $50 million when they're not going to get, get that because the promotion is not going to make that. You know, television pays the biggest money, of course. We all know that. But the, the big side fees, like in Las Vegas and stuff like that, the casinos are, are filled to capacity. Then that's where the big money comes. But So fighters are going to have to sit back and think, do I want to fight? I'm going to fight for less. Do I love fighting or do I just want to sit in the sidelines? And I think I'll, I think 90% of the fighters will say, I just want to keep active. I want to stay busy. Mm-hmm. Just like the old school guys did back in the day. They were fighting every other week. They just stayed busy, stayed busy, stayed busy. Fought for belts, you know, stayed busy. And modern get, modern fighters today has got to take a leaf, leaf out of the, the old veterans book and um, just do that. Stay busy. Because well, going forward, Phil, yeah. things are not going to change. Things are not going to change in the next month. It's going to be different in the next six months, at least. Definitely. Well, it's interesting you say that. Because the Venetian are taking bookings from June 1st to stay at their hotels. So if the Venetian are opening in June 1st to take bookings, then you would imagine lots of people on top of each other. If you've been in a casino in Vegas, they're always bunged, especially in the summer. Summer's a busy time. You're on top of each other. Why would it, why would it be any different in one of their arenas? Maybe they're not going to have behind closed doors because Vegas may end up opening. Well, Phoenician, you know, they're technically they're supposed to open, but the governor he could change that. They're right, they're taking bookings, but that could all that could all change. But it's going to be not as much capacity. In Vegas, the one thing in Vegas, they're actually doing. There's only been three, just over three hundred deaths, which is still mm-hmm. a lot of people. But considering there's sure. two and a half million people in Nevada, it's not that much. So we've actually been social distance, and and I say ninety percent. There's always that ten percent of people who think they're oh there is no coronavirus. And um, I might run in the mornings and people have masks on and some people don't. And they walk straight toward you, so I cross the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well you gotta let me ask. you got to take a serious film, opens. they got yeah. everything, hand sanitizers, you know, yeah. masks got to be on. But if you're going to stay in a hotel, what type of holiday are you going to have in? You're going to have one. The pools are going to, they should open because they said the other day that you can't really catch a coronavirus in the pool. You can't catch it. It's not, it doesn't, sure. they're not going to catch it. There's bleach in the pool. I mean, so it's not, they're not going to catch it. They're going to open the pools. 
Throwing and I think that the people, but they're going to have to social distance everybody. It's going to be not half the capacity. I'd say it'll only be about a quarter of capacity. You can't really do half. Because as you say, Vegas, especially this time of year, you got the pool parties, you got this, you got that. <laughs> they're going to be packed with a brim. So mm-hmm. if, even if they half that, it's still too many people. So <laughs> it's going to be a, a quarter of the people, I think. That's the only way they could do it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you should yeah. do it. The the last thing I wanted to do at twenty one Vegas was socially distance. <laughs> but uh, let, let me ask you, okay, let me ask you this though. Would you first of all? I was watching the football last weekend, the Bundesliga, and it was strange. Obviously, they're trying to restart sports with some mitigation, but it's hard. You know, uh, boxing is utterly impossible. Any contact sport, utterly impossible. Would you feel comfortable fighting? I would, because you know what, you know. I'm good friends with Dana White. He had three three fight cards in a week. One was a pay per view. One was two. Two of them were actually on ESPN. Which, and you know what? I've always loved the UFC. I, I love it. But mm-hmm. the three fights were unbelievable. The main events were just unbelievable. And the say the ESPN ones on you know you pay a few dollars a month for it. Yeah. People got the, people got their money's worth. The arena was empty. You had the officials there, commentators. There were masks and you know, stuff like that. So it worked. You know, they're not going to have that revenue from the, 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 the site fee, mm-hmm. but it worked and they're going to have more. And they're, they're started, they were the first, the UFC were the first one to do live sports and they've started everything. And that's just the getting the test at every fighter, the mm-hmm. test at the, the judges, the referees, their trainers, everybody was tested. So when they're all together in a hotel, they weren't leaving the hotel. They were staying in the hotel. Nobody else was in the hotel. They were going to the arena. Nobody else was in the arena. So they're not going to catch it from somebody else because they're not socializing with other people. And that's the only way you could do it. Boxers got to be in the same hotel together. Yeah. No, nobody else from the outside can get in, feed them that way, go to the fight, come back to the fight. That's the only way to do it. If you don't do it that way, you can't do it. Um, have you, have you, have you been tested? No, I don't. My daughter, I say my daughter went on a, a few weeks ago was, was sick. And because there was so many people going for testing, Mm. And some of them were sick. Some people were getting tested yeah. and had it. We just said, why don't know? We'll just, we'll just keep you in the room. If your temperature was up anymore, she had her, it was her chest and her throat and everything. And we just oh, said to her, right. just go eat, just go easy. You know, if you get any worse in a few days, but she got better. And I mm-hmm. said she had it still, but if she did have it, she goes out and gets tested. Somebody has it, she gets worse. Yeah. Could be, could be, could be major then. Yes. But she was okay. She was fine. And we didn't go and get it done. I don't need, you know, we could have the antibodies, whatever, to protect sure. us. But I'm not going to. I might run every day. Yeah. I don't wear a mask because I social, I keep away from people. But I, as I said before, I, I see more people out walking and doing stuff now because because they they're locked at home. Like two months ago, before, mm-hmm. or just two, two months ago before they started, I would go out and run and see two people. I said, but now I'm seeing about 200 people. Yes, and I was seeing here. I. But still, some of them are not social distancing. Some are not. Don't absolutely. Care. They don't really care. I know, and, and that's just the reality of it. It's fun. I got, I got, as you know, I was tested last week. Uh, it's not, it's not pleasant. Two uh, times, I guess. Like hey, I did too. Trust me, man. I was not doing well. But when I was getting that test, it's times like that. I'm glad I got a nose like a cooker hood, you know. So big enough. So uh, that that cotton bud went up there, nice and easy. Oh. And, and my eye was watering, but uh, lovely enough, I got the all clear. Um, so. Um, it's a good. It's a good thing I didn't test about a couple of couple of feet below. Um, 
Take a swallow, man. Like I don't test the positive results. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, like, you know, I'm, uh, hopefully we get a vaccine, we can return to normal, life can get back to normal. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's been really interesting during this lockdown, win is just how important sports play a role in our own mental health. Um, and I, I empathise completely with people who are locked at home um, who, you know, I was doing an interview yesterday with a guy called Kyle Martino, who's a, a soccer player, a very famous soccer player here, and he struggles badly with depression. Um, right. Married into a very famous family, his mother-in-law, Susan Sarandon, a uh, great guy. Uh, but here's a guy of enormous means, uh, you know, has everything we'd want, and yet this lockdown has played havoc with, with, with his mental health, and that's true for so many of us. And so sport is such a release for us for, for this. And um, I, I, obviously we all want to see everyone return safely. But goodness gracious, it's really illustrated just how important sport really is. It's not just a game. You know, it means so much more than that to us. Uh, yeah. It is still in the same, being, you know, being a sports person, whatever. Yeah. You know, mental health, depression can get to you. And I just think a lot mm-hmm. of like boxers and stuff can get that too because you're getting hit up the head. It's got to do some sort of damage. And I've been there myself, but I always say to people, I help people actually, I call them once every couple of weeks. And then I say to them, do something. You got to do something. And being Mm -hmm. at home, it's hard to do something. But the last two and a half months, I've been home and I've been training people, my clients online, keep myself busy, different times of the day. I'm doing these podcasts. And I haven't even thought, I haven't even had time to sit down and, and think about yeah, but being depressed, I mean, I haven't. And yeah, it's funny. Is a normal life, you go through things. You're outside all the time. You contact people. You're feeling good, and all of a sudden, something makes you feel like crap, yeah. and that can create depression. I haven't been out like that, so it's good. I haven't been around much people to to be um, somebody being um, make me feel depressed. So, as these people who are depressed at home, do something. You just got to keep doing something. Whether you're doing how if you're not on a uh, a journey or anything, get a nail and hammer it on the wall, do something. There's yeah. got to be something you can do at home. There's got to be something to clean something. But don't just sit there and, and dwell and, on the whole world. Otherwise, you'll 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 not be here. It's so true because see the first two weeks of this, Matt, it, it drove me mental. You know, I was going nuts. It was really, really difficult. Then I started to throw myself into these podcasts and stuff like that. I, I record multiple different shows. And staying busy has really helped me. Uh, as most people know, I've been open with a lot of my own issues. So uh, anyone out there struggling, please uh, make sure you get help. If you have, if you don't have anybody close to you that you can you can reach out to, get you know, there's there's helplines out there. They can reach out to us. Yes, happily, happily, happily. You know, uh, you can reach out. Uh, there's our, our our email address is on the Twitter page at TWI Boxing Show. So please, if you need anything, um, in lieu of professional advice, uh, you should always seek professional advice. But if you can't get it, reach out to uh, one of us, and if we're available, we'll be happy to help you in any way we can. Let's turn our conversation back to boxing, Wayne, because lots of lots of fights being talked about. Um, Fury v Joshua. Looks like Deontay Wilder will not take the step aside money to ten million. He wants to go into a, a third fight right away. To me, the last fight was so convincing, and and in my opinion, Fury won the first fight. But a puncher yeah. always has a puncher's chance. But Deont- should you? But should Deontay Wilder? I mean, we talk about risks we enter in fights. Deontay Wilder could go out in his next fight 
and not take it to a Tyson Fury fight, lose, and then a, thrill, a third trilogy fight sort of loses its allure at that point. So it's a big risk for Deontay Wilder. This might be his last big cash-out fight to retire. If you're Deontay Wilder, do you take the 10 million step aside money, or do you go right back into your third fight? I like a step aside, I got 50 grand. <laughs> <laughs> the more I got. 10 million dollars. 10 million, holy smoke. Just uh, not the fight, and then he'll, then he'll get the big fight anyway. I think while I think Wilder needs to, as I said, as soon as that, he needs to learn how to throw a jab. He needs to learn how to throw one and two. He needs to go back to basics to learn how to throw punches. Mm. Because the first fight, you know, I'm a Wilder fan, but I, I had Fury winning the fight. Second fight was like a, a mismatch. Yeah. And um, Wilder didn't know how to go on the back foot. He's got to learn how to go on the back foot, go on the front foot, defense. And he can't do that by just constraining the next fight. He needs to go and get one, even two, two, two small fights. You know, maybe he gets peanuts for it. But you know what? They're learning fights. And then he's ready for the big fight, the, the Joshua Fury winner. You know what I mean? He could do that. And But... His pride, he's got the pride. Sure. And he wants I need to go in there. If he goes straight into the next fight, I think Fury will probably beat him easier. You know what I mean? He mm. might just go right through him quickly. And Wilder's just being a macho man. And I think if he le- if he goes back to basics and learns how to be- do the basics and have a fight or two in between, he can come back a better fighter. Otherwise, he'll just go back in there and get beat pretty easy. And I love Wilder. I'm a Wilder yeah. fan. I'm a, I'm a Wilder fan. I'm, I'll say that. I like Wilder oh, yeah. too. I, 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 yeah. You know, Deontay Wilder, like, I remember when he was over in our own home city uh, and uh, he was a fantastic guy. Uh, he, I remember, the, people don't say this enough about fighters, but a lot of fighters do a lot of community work. And one of the things that he done, Deontay Wilder also has a special needs child. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, he's a fantastic father. But he also done, he, 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 he invited um, Child over there in Belfast, who was also special needs, to his fight, paid for everything, paid for his family to come over, paid for the child to come over. And uh, just a class human being, just a lovely, lovely guy. And, um, That's a type of guy. Phil, I, I'm a fan. Of, he backed me up one time. I told you before, he backed me up one time. And um, that's why I loved him. Yeah, he backed me up for a certain thing that happened. I got to start naming names again. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I wasn't aware of that, but but um, from my experience, what the word? Great story. I'll tell you sometime. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I, I, I want to hear that, but uh, he um, look, he, class human being, a brilliant, brilliant guy, and look, when he very, very, he came within a second, really, of winning that first fight, regardless of whether yeah. Fury. And, and we're, I'll also give him a lot of credit because he took that second Luis Ortiz fight and it was a very dangerous fight for him and he didn't need to take it because if you no. looked at that first fight, do you know, uh, Luis Ortiz had him on Queer Street, I think it was around, around nine. And uh, he, well, credit to John T. Wilder for showing the granite chin that he did to get to, to, yep. to, to get through that. Then took another risky fight with another technical boxer who's very, very good, similar to Fury. Maybe to prepare him for Fury again, I don't know. But it was a very risky fight because if he loses that, then, you know, the Fury fight doesn't happen. He's not world champion. He doesn't, you know, Fury doesn't need to fight him. So he deserves credit. And he's also been screwed over in his career with, with what Pavetkin did. You know, and um, the, the positive drug test and everything. You know, it's it, 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 it's been rough on him. I I do like Dante Wilder the person. I don't think he's got anything to be ashamed about yeah. about losing his first fight. And um, uh, but, 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 uh, I, a good, Fury's a good guy too. But I love Fury. Wilder, 
Wilder might have you could you, you can give him benefit of doubt. Maybe even in the second fight, thinking because of what happened at the end of the first the first fight, he was just going to walk out there, finish the job off the first mm-hmm. round, and it's going to be over. Because he did. If you look at the first fight, I had him. I had him losing, but he still won some rounds. Yeah, he did still. He still won some rounds. So if he can win rounds in the first fight, he could have did it in the second fight. But he just went out there in the second fight, looking like I'm going to knock this guy out. Then Fury pushes him backwards, and then he didn't know what to do. If you were training Wilder for Fury in the third fight, what, how would you train him to fight? What would you prepare him for? Well, they would. Eddie Fudge loved, loved working on heavyweights. I would first of all, I would get his jab working way better. I would I would teach him how to not lean backwards when he goes backwards. Mm-hmm. I would teach him how to be more balanced, so that if Fury, if Fury does walk forward, towards him, he's still he's still in a position to hit him. And I would teach him how to throw that combination, like a one-two left hook to the head, one-two left hook to the body, or a fainted fainted jab, hit him with the right hand left hook. There's little things he can do, small things, but he didn't do one of them in any of the fights. Well, he just got to learn how to do that. And his defense, he's got to learn how to catch a jab. How to catch a right hand come over the top? How to catch a left hook? Small things can be done like that easily, and um, but he's not. I don't think Big George has helped him. But I love yes. Big George. Big George is, oh, is Big George might get him to sit down his punches more. I believe that he'll probably get his balance better, and hopefully, hopefully, if, if he is with him, um, George will do a good job with him and, and, and do that. But Fury's yeah. a different ball. I mean, Fury can adapt to things and, and switch up. And um, I think the Fury Joshua fight is the big fight that people want to see because because of what Joshua did to you know did in the rematch to Ruiz. So yeah, he went and sparked Fury went and sparked Wilder. Joshua went and sparked Ruiz pretty easily. So they deserve to fight each other. Well, and that's the thing, you know. Obviously, we we we've praised Deontay Wilder uh, as a person and as a fighter, and he deserves that praise. And boxing fans are absolutely ridiculous at times. A guy loses a fight, and then they start calling him a bum and everything else. Which you know, this happened to Triple G as well. Just absolutely disgraceful. I mean, they they provided uh, you know they, what what these people do. Absolutely, very few people can do in their lives. Tyson Fury, um, listen. I believe if you're a heavyweight champion of the world, that comes with a certain responsibility because it's one of the most iconic uh, awards in sport. Right? Being heavyweight yeah. champion of the world is up there with any sporting accomplishment, in my opinion. In Tyson yep. Fury, I will give him immense credit. Uh, 2016, he's at the depths of despair. He's, he's said all the wrong things. He's doing all the wrong things. He's struggling with mental health. I will never judge a man for that. Struggling with addiction, never judge a man for that. But he has, he redeemed himself. And, and you know, to me, it, it's up there to each and every individual whether they believe a, 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 someone can redeem themselves. I, I believe it's, whatever Tyson did, he was still in a position of redemption. He, he, he paid his debt. He came back. Came back from uh, 300 odd pounds, got himself in fantastic condition. Technically, he's a super boxer. But when I, I've said this before, and we said it on, on our show, in that first fight when he was on the deck in LA and he climbs off the canvas, that moment will live with me for the rest of my life. Because what that meant to me as a human being, 
with my own mental health issues was just something. When you, you when you're present at a sporting event and you watch a moment that will transcend the sport, that is so much bigger than boxing, so much bigger than that one event that will reach people into the depths of their soul all around the world and inspire them. That's what Tyson Fury did, and he won my respect that night because I heavily criticized him in 2016. Proud to say that I, I changed my opinion of him, and I think a word of him, and I think he is done that with so many people. He deserves so much credit for that. No, he does. He say that before that fight, I had a heavy wave who would down spar with on the white card, and um, I got to know Fury a little bit better, and um, he's a great guy. You know, it's the first time I met him. And he was a great guy, treated me well, and um, sparred brilliant. He was doing loads of rounds, training really hard. Yep. And what he came back from and say that, mm-hmm. you know, when you're at the top of the world, you can go through drugs and sit that and the other. Fortunately, mm-hmm. I didn't. You know, but your mind can switch that way. You can yeah. do it. You can switch off like you can be and be, be in that place. Depression was in. Everything was in. You're in the spotlight, and and he couldn't cope with it, so he went that way. But then he came around and, and tried to get a second chance. And then mm-hmm. some people don't want to get a second chance. That's the problem. Some people, you know, you, you, there's certain things you shouldn't have said. Of course. Of course. That you can never that you can never take back. But if you apologize over and over and over for it, hopefully that people can forgive him. But as I say, there's some people who never, never will forgive. But he's, he's, he can be a role model if he, you know, he, he's saying the right things. Now he, the last couple of fights, he's been, he's been good at talking. He's been good at doing this. He's been good at fighting. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he got the belts back, which he he wanted back from from the Klitschko. You know what I mean? So he, he he's back mm-hmm. in the he's he can be a role model like too. Yeah. Well, if he doesn't switch off again, then he can be a role model and um, be like a Muhammad Ali, whatever in the future. First of all, by no means am I making excuses for him here, right? But people forget he was still a young man, right? He was mid twenties, and my God, I have said things that I cringe beyond cringe when I look back and think of some of the disgusting things I've said to people or about people. I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. Uh, I've done things that I deeply regret. I've been fortunate enough where my life wasn't in the public eye and I didn't have to deal with the same consequences. But I think... Social media. Yeah. But but like we said, it's up to each and every individual to decide what a human being, can a human being achieve redemption or not? It's up to you to decide. You know, when I, when I had the pleasure of meeting Mike Tyson, I had people criticizing me, and I said, look, it's up to you. If you don't think a human being is capable of redemption, that's entirely up to you. I believe you pay, you say sorry. You, It's not up to me to forgive Tyson. It's up to the other people But yeah. uh, but uh, that, that, that were on the receiving end. But I believe that just like Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant paid his debt back to society. He threw his life into yeah. helping girls. and help, that, that What else... After the crime is committed, what else do yeah. you want from a human being other than sincere apology and an effort exactly. to make sure this never happens again and, 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 and genuine contrition? And I think Tyson's done that and he's won the hearts of so many people yeah. um, who he has helped. And uh, the other thing that I really like about he always seems really down to earth, a natural entertainer, he's funny. He, he he doesn't take himself too seriously. He lives in Morecambe. You know, he, he hasn't let any of this go to his head. And I think when he beats Anthony Joshua, you know, it's, it's, you're that's a good saying what you said there. But everything, you mm-hmm. know, I say, Fury's the type of guy that you know, and that nobody nobody has to give anybody a second chance. They understand people. Mm-hmm. Some people won't give you a second chance, but I believe you know, you know, you should get that second chance 
even Jesus get you know betrayed, mm-hmm. and he still get a second chance. You know what I mean, yeah, happens. Get a second, the second chance. If you get, if you get, you shouldn't get a third chance because your second chance is mm-hmm. you take that chance. If you do the same thing over again, you don't deserve a second another chance. Mm-hmm. But if you if you deserve a everybody deserves a second chance, and then you know, I'd say Fury and I, I'd say I got them got to know him. You know, he's been more of a role model than he has. He doesn't say much in the media the way he used to. Yeah, and um, he's a good talker when it comes to fight. He, he's <laughs> he is funny. <laughs> Talking about his opponent, fine. You're confident what you want to do to your opponent. You're going to knock him out. That's yeah. that's normal for fighters. But him and him and um, Joshua, big fight. It's going to be a great fight. I think Joshua has a real chance. He really, do, really has a great chance. He came out so? against. Andrew Ruiz had second fight and looked like a different yeah. person. He lost a bit of weight. He was stronger. He was he had his hands up better. And you know what? He's got a good chance. A really fury for me. You know, I've got to got to know him a little bit. And this mom from Belfast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, it's hard to go against Fury in a fight. You know, you, it's really hard to go against him because he's just what he did in the in the Wilder second fight. He just just improved a little bit. Change the game plan, and all of a sudden he's different. You know, he brought he brought Andy Lee into his camp. Win. Uh, how important do you think Andy Lee has been to Tyson's development? Well, I think he, I think Andy gave him that little bit of a, you know, here's a here's a jab you can throw and keep the distance before you walk into something. Mm-hmm. Here's a jab to get in close, and then boom, boom, boom. And you can't just walk in against a puncher. If you walk in with the jab with the reach he has, then you know what? You can get in close, and then when you get close. Mm. Shape. You know, Wilder didn't know what to do when he was putting the back foot, and, and and Fury was in close, just banging away at him, body head, and you know, Andy made it. I don't know what Andy did with him, but maybe he did that with him, and, and you know what? It worked. It yeah. worked. <laughs> Andy Andy Lee also one of the classiest guys. Um, I met I met him briefly. Okay. I, uh, I met him briefly in the MTM later that night. I'm sure he was. Uh, devastated that I got that I stopped them. I was a bit worse for wear at three in the morning, but uh, to consummate gentlemen, uh, really nice, really, really nice fella, and um, a guy who, uh, of course, has tremendous experience coming from the Crank Gym, and um, uh, and of course, Sugar Hill also took over with Andy, and Sugar Hill definitely seemed to have improved Tyson's game because that second fight was much easier for Tyson, and he was criticized for that move. Ben Davidson's a good trainer, and I, of course, trained Josh Taylor. Um, but uh, he was criticised for that. But you know that 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 paid off for him, Wayne. It definitely paid off for him. He, he knew he had to switch things up, and he went to Sugar Hill and, and Andy Lee. And you know what? He showed it. You know the game plan was different for the second fight, and 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 he had his hands up better, and he came forward with a good jab, and it worked. So they did a good job. And people yeah. say people you had a different coach than a right right away they're saying, Oh, it's that's the wrong move and say, Fortunately with me I, I stayed with the same like team mm-hmm. when Eddie was passing away, then I had Dale and Kenny Croom and then I went to Freddie. They were all the same school of boxing. I didn't switch to a different style. But they didn't switch Fury's style up, they just sort of improved it. And yeah. they improved it and made him better against somebody like Wilder who's who didn't want to improve anything. He just thought it was gonna be a knockout win. And Fury went out there and was a the bigger man and won the fight easily, and the, the trainers got the credit for that. They got to give he's got to give him credit for that. Yeah, the last point I want to make on that, and bringing up some old ground there, um, but I just want to get a fighter's point of view on it. Um, JD's after the fight 
was quite critical uh, of I can't forgetting the cool cornerman's name, but uh, he threw the towel in. Uh, was it Kenny Cunningham? I can't remember. I can't, can't remember. Um, he threw the towel in. Okay. Uh, Wilder's corner. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, forget the other. For, forgive me. For Mark this. Breeden. Mark Breeden. Yes, yes, yes. Mark Breeden. You're right. Sorry, Mark Breeden. Uh, JT's criticised Mark Breeden for throwing in the towel. For me, it was the right decision. When uh, Deontay Wilder didn't look competitive in that fight anymore. Uh, and you could see in his legs were, were heavy. You, you just couldn't see where where there was going to. Obviously, with a puncher, there's always a chance. But you have to. You have to. There's a difference between probability and possibility. And when you look at it, you're going, look, live to fight another day. There's no shame in having one loss on your record. There's nothing wrong with that. Lots of Muhammad Ali had maybe five losses on his record. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't defend you. Uh, Deontay Wilder's had a fantastic career. He's got a family. You know, there's bigger things more important. How did you, as a, how would you have reacted if that had happened in your corner? Picked up a stink. <laughs> would you have been pissed off? No, yeah. As a, as a, as a no, as a fighter, you know, the corner man should do it in the corner. If he can't sit in the corner and say, "I'm going to stop the fight right now. I've got the towel in my hand. I'm going to wave the referee. I'm going to call the fight off right now." Let the fighter know right there that you're going to stop the fight in the corner. You know, it's happened to me in the past, but and it wasn't told. But so I think that's it. I think. During the, the round, you want to be stopped, but in the corner, you know, you took too much sun. You know, Eddie did it with Eddie did it with um, Joe Frazier, you know, against Muhammad Ali. Saved his saved his life more or less from getting completely knocked out. Yeah. So, if the coach cares about that much, they're going to tell you in the corner, "I'm stopping the fight right at this second, right now. You're not coming back out again." That's what they should say. Because that that's that's better than being stopped in the middle of the ring. If you know what I mean? Yeah. And I but, think that's what Wilder wanted. Want, didn't want stopped, of course, but. I think the, it would have been better for that for him to do that. I but Mark is an experienced guy, former world champion, and yes. he knows what he's doing. Extremely qualified. Yeah, I, I couldn't disagree with his decision at all. I just thought it was a bit... I thought JD's what I'm apologize for that. I want to ask you about a couple of other fights that are on the horizon. Lomachenko uh, and Teofimo Lopez. I was at Teofimo Lopez's last fight. I've been at... Uh, I was also at Lomachenko Krola fight, uh, which was a tremendous privilege. Uh, watched Teofimo Lopez. He was on the uh, Michael Collin card or the Terence Crawford card. Um, fantastic knockout, Richard Comey, very, very quickly in the second round. That boy has some... Blister on par. You know, Lenara has dropped Lomachenko too. They showed, yeah. you know, as amazing as he is, brilliant, brilliant fighter, technically superb, the Lionel Messi of boxing for me, just a fantastic talent. Yeah. But, you know, does, does, does Lopez's par pose a risk to Lomachenko? Well, I think, you know, Lomachenko, I've loved him in the Olympics to gold medals, but a guy like that should never have got dropped. Because he's supposed to be so elusive and so good at moving around, and he gets caught with a straight right hand, which a right hand left hook works against a southpaw. And Lenaris, who was past, he's a great fighter, but maybe past the sale by day a little bit, you know, didn't finish the job off. And you know, Tavilio Lopez, love him, young guy who can mm-hmm. crack, who can box, and it's going to be interesting if he throws that right hand and throws a left hook behind it. Will he, will he get Lomachenko and keep him down? You know what I mean? And that can happen. I love Lomachenko. Let's say I've loved him since the Olympics. But I see things in him that can be beat him on the right hand, the left hook is one of the things that can be can be done against him. And he does that little switch around to the to his right, mm-hmm. that a quick move. He leaves his chin exposed for the right hand and the left hook behind it. He's not covered up. 
and that's why Linares caught him with it. So he's not unbeatable, you know. So he, 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 he's already lost the fight early on, but that was a championship. In the uh, second fight. Uh, Salido <laughs> was uh, well, it was a bit weird. Salido came out. You don't yeah. fight so later in your second fight or your third fight or your fourth fight or your fifth fight or your twelfth fight. <laughs> I, well, he, he came in. He came in as a welterweight that night. I think they were fighting their father, and uh, I remember and I was, and, he, and he had a few low think, blows. Yeah. I would say at least. I think, I think um, you know, at, the, at this one thirty-five is, is the limit for both these guys, Davila Lopez and, mm-hmm. and Lomachenko. I think we wait for them. Anything higher is not. But um, great fight. A fight. But we're maybe behind closed doors. We don't know. So, yeah. But it, what a fight for TV. It's got to be pay-per-view. The, the, uh, pay-per-view. Yeah, Bob Arum said it's going to be pay-per-view. You know, and, and weirdly, I might I think that Salido fight might have actually helped Lomachenko because it was the transition from the, the amateurs to the pros. This is what the pro game yeah. is. And it probably helped him that he, that he lost that fight. And I'm, uh, I'm sure if, you know, I don't think Salido came in that fight Karen, what you know, because he no. didn't commit, he, he purposely blew up, and uh, and Salido's a yeah. very, very tough guy. I may add, but uh, Teofimo Lopez is a very, very exciting young talent. He seems like a really nice, down to earth kid. Um, yeah. I was, I was watching a really funny by the way, Devin Haney's a really nice kid, too. Um, but Teofimo Lopez is Teofimo Lopez. I'm not sure if you saw this, but did you see the picture that he tweeted with uh. Devin Haney's belt, Devin Haney had the WBC belt, but it was actually, um, and I think when Arya started this, where instead of the WBC logo, it was um, Twitter logo. And so uh, he was Twitter champion, but uh, Teofimo Lopez's father went on uh, another boxing podcast and uh, essentially said that Lopez would beat Devin Haney quite, quite, quite badly. If those two were to fight, how would you see that going? I don't think you're being bad. I think it's a great fight. Haney's a, uh, Haney's guy, a really good kid. Well. Yeah. He's got a good chin. He can punch. Both guys, you know, young guys. It's good that we can actually talk about guys like this. Young mm-hmm. guys, talent. They, I said they can punch. They can box. They can fight. And that fight's a toss-up. It's a toss-up fight. It's a real toss-up fight. Like anybody can win that fight. Mm-hmm. And and it's not easy. it wouldn't be an easy fight for for Lopez in a way. It's going to be a, a tough, tough, tough matchup. Yeah, definitely a fight that that division bloated. You know what I mean? It's a great it, fight that division. It certainly is. He's a really, really nice kid. And um, I saw him in Vegas after the uh, Wilder Fury fight. Just a, a, a nice lad, and I was talking to Carl Frampton actually about him. He interviewed him shortly before that. And spoke really, really highly of him as a human being, oh. and, I, and I believe he's working with Floyd, isn't he? So, uh, you know, yeah, Floyd. He's got that slick style, but he doesn't. He's not trying to fight like Floyd, but he's got the slick. You know, he's got the cross guard, which Eddie, Eddie taught me the, the defense, blocking them mm-hmm. overhand right with your with your right, and blocking left hooks with your right, and body shots. He's blocking them all, so he does a lot of blocking too. And Davila Lopez has that style too. He got he's got the old school cross guard. He must be one of his coaches. Must be an old school guy because he. He's learned mm-hmm. that and nobody teaches anymore. You know, so it's good that um, they're, they're learning the old school, you know, cross guard defense and um, both guys have it. It's going to be, it's, a, it's, it's good to fight and wet, wet your, you know what I mean? You're a mouse watering for this one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, another couple, another uh, young fighter in that uh, weight class is Javante Davis, of course. Um, hard-hitting Javante yeah. Davis. Didn't emerge with enormous credit 
um, after the after his last fight, where he he should have knocked out uh, the Cuban. Why, why, why have I just lost? You know, this is what happens when you get older. Uh, you know, when, um, where he he he, uh, he should have he should Javante Davis should have won the fight much easier than what he did. Um, he he, some question marks were raised about him after that fight. He's now going to fight Leo Santa Cruz. Um, does he hi, 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 does he beat Leo Santa Cruz? I think I think he can. The tank Gamboa. The tank Gamboa. He he's small. He's more than me. He's actually in fighting that division. He's trouble making weight and stuff like that. But he can punch. And Leo Santa Leo's great. I love Leo. He's a great guy. Yeah. And he can come forward. He's got that. But maybe a little weight class too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe just a little. That is too a big much. jump. He's won some bantam weight right up from one belt. But you know, so it's the tank. You know. He's knocking everybody out. It's hard, to, and he can he can go the distance too if he has to. He's, but he shouldn't knock Gamboa out, Wayne. I mean, Gamboa does his. It looked like Gamboa, whether it was his shoe or whether it was his Achilles. Yeah. Uh, he shouldn't. Did 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 that fake raise question marks for you about him? But yeah, but Gamboa is the type of guy. You know, he's got that old slick, the Cuban amateur mm-hmm. style, and, he, and yeah. he's got the Cubans are they can stay in fights. You know what I mean? They're they're tough. You know, it's it and. He's just, he's so slick, it's hard to get a guy like that to get rid of that guy. And, you know, you get rid of, you got to teach your own hand, but still. Mm-hmm. He, it's just, you know, Davis, for me, he's knocking people out. He's a small guy. And and he say he loves to fight. If he has to go a distance, he can go the distance. And it's just going to be, that, I say that the division there, you're talking about four guys at the, at the same division. It's, it's just going to be one of them, like the old, welterweight middle divisions back in the day all these you new know, Hagler Hearns and Leonard all them guys and Duran all together it's brilliant what we're talking about this because you know what mm-hmm. boxing hasn't been this exciting for a long time oh it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant to see the sport Leo Santa Cruz against him it's a, Leo's a tough guy he can he can, he can beat you He'll, he, can, he can go to 12 rounds and uh, speed ahead so if he doesn't get hurt he wins the fight but the tank Davis you know it's he's going to land big shots and it's going to be Interesting for a smaller guy coming up, and um, if he can take these shots, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, look, Leo's a pressure fighter. He comes forward, although I must say, in the front rematch, he boxed the distance very, very well, controlled the distance very well, uh, and I think Shane McGuigan has a lot to answer for for that, in my opinion. But uh, I thought, Carl fought the fight of the life. He fought great. He still fought great, but you, you have to have the corner guy to come out and say, okay. He switched up. We got to switch up, but it didn't happen to him. No, Carl just did what he was told. Carl did what he was told. You know, absolutely. Uh, Shane McGuigan, in my opinion, really. It's maybe hopefully he learned from that, but exposed the fact that it's amazing to me that not once during camp they would have planned or what if you know if he switches to the box in the distance, which was a very real possibility given that that's in the first fight it was all so, pressure caught on the back foot. So, that's a different podcast though right there. <laughs> I know, I'll get into that. Um, different coaches, but different coaches different they should switch things up. It's actually a good a good talking point, you know what I mean? We'll have to we'll have to definitely cover that in our in our next pod. That's why you're uh, in the corner. coach is in the corner for the second eye to see what's going on. Yes. And they gotta know. switch things up. We should, you know. we should start doing that. We should start analysing some of these performances and instructions that are being given by coaches because it's always an education yeah. for me. Um, and uh, so, you know, so there's things that actually happen. It's not like we're criticizing them. They're yeah. in the corner of the, 
they're thinking, why did he not? Why did he not tell them to do that? Because it made it work. They're not. They don't even know what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a good talking point. And that the, the fighter depends on that guy in the corner. I say with that, he fudged me. He told me to do something. I did it. If it didn't work, he told me to do something else, something and it may work. Yeah. So that's what it's all about. Um. I want to talk to you, we're almost done, Wayne. Uh, I want to ask you, each week we're going to focus on some young prospect uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll highlight them and get their points of view on it. A young young prospect, uh, of course, Ryan Garcia. Now, Ryan Garcia, to me, very, very impressive young talent. Uh, looks very, very good, sharp, a lovely left hook on him. Um, and he's got movie star looks, the Mexicans, the Hispanic girls, the girls everywhere. They love this kid. He's got tremendous charisma. He's uh, really a tremendous asset for a golden boy outside of Canelo, of course. Uh, this kid has all the potentials to be a global superstar. Seems like a really nice kid, too. Seems like a, a really level-headed young lad. Does, does all the right things. And... Uh, you know, if, if you've got that type of talent, those type of looks, that type of charisma, and being guided by Oscar De La Hoya, this kid could be special. Yep, Oscar's hoping he's going to be the next Golden Boy. You know, mm-hmm. Ron Garcia, I can't say, I can't fault him at all. My daughter loves him. And I got to meet him um, just over, like, about a year and a half ago at the, when my father was, was um, sparring with him. Um, He's fun with Andy Ruiz, and I went to the, his gym and stuff, and he was there, and I and I I started talking to him. He had respect for me, you know, mm-hmm. being a WBC family. He took he wanted a picture with me, and he was so nice. The kid is so nice, and um, he did a little video for my daughter. It was pretty cool, like this. Sure, <laughs> but he was so nice and humble, and you know what? He you know he got he's got millions of followers. Good looking kid, you know, and um, all these young girls are that, but he still he trains hard. I see him training hard. And he's with Canelo's people now. He switched camps, and they've, they've made a difference in the defense and stuff. And he had a, you know, he had a few fights where he got tested. And a lot of people said he hasn't been tested. He's been hit. He's been hit hard on the chin, mm-hmm. and he survived the, the test. And he's he's undefeated. So this no, kid can be. I believe this kid can be a, a, the next golden boy for Oscar De La Hoya. And um, I say he's, he, he's young, good looking, works hard. He's not taking it for granted that he gets good looks or whatever. He works hard. And he's got he's twenty five, yeah. seventeen knockouts. He's doing the right thing. He's knocking he's knocked seventeen guys out. So he's doing something right. And yes, he's a young kid, twenty one years old, but you know what? He can be a superstar. It's funny you say that, Wayne, because boxers often get a bad rap, but the vast majority of boxers that I meet are consummate gentlemen. I met Regis Progray before the fight in Vegas. Um what a gentleman. Then you know, obviously you pick your moments when you go up and talk to these people. You don't improve on their privacy. You feel respectful. The, you know, same with Jamal Herring. What a class human being. Just a lovely guy. Just you know, would take the time to talk to you, record videos. You know, Michael Conlon done the same for me. I'm incredibly grateful for Michael and obviously Carl and lots of other fighters. Um, that that really you know, they Jesse uh, um. Jesse Vargas, total gentleman, class act. You know, I'm meeting these fighters, similar. You go through Leo Santa Cruz, Robert Garcia, all these people. They're always so nice to their fans, and yet that doesn't always happen in other sports. You know, I've, I've obviously I do a lot of football as well, soccer, and uh, I'm yeah. telling you, that's it. that's not as common. Uh, and so, uh, fighters deserve a lot of credit because when I don't believe there's any other sport 
where an athlete can inspire people in a in a way a fighter can, because everybody everybody has to fight in some form of another in their life, and when you see a fighter, someone who's taking enormous punishment and pain and, and and overcoming that and winning, that is tremendously inspiring to people. And if you get to meet these people, they're extremely nice and accommodating. So. Um, that, uh, Ryan Garcia continues to do that. People will fall in love with the kid, and uh, uh, as his audience grows, uh, Wayne, we'll go ahead and leave it yeah, there, mate. Phil, if, if you go to his fights, you'll see them anyway. The girls. Uh, <laughs> I know he's he fought on Valentine's Day. He fought on Valentine's and, Day. And some, and some boys as well are supporting too. <laughs> well, I would support the kid. I mean, listen, you know, I'm I'm in the forties. I'm a, I'm in the four. I've long since overcome the. You know the that that we jealousy said. You know, listen. You know, you you commend young lads like that. Just young, just young, he's so good looking. Ah, uh, he's good looking <laughs> lad. But he's just, a, but he's a great kid, and and he has the charisma to go with it. But, but but more than he can anything, fight, Wayne, good personality, he can fight. He that's can what fight I was going to well. say. The most important thing is he can fight because none of the, none of those things that we talked about matters once that first bell bell rings. It's all about what can you do in the ring, and that kid. Is it can can bang? Um, there's so many other things. We, uh, quick comment. I I was reaching out to um, uh, Evander Holyfield, and I was told by his rep that he is in camp. So that tells me that the Mike Tyson Holyfield fight looks like it's going to happen. Is he in strike camp or something? I was going to say, is he put the tent up? <laughs> but, I mean, the, yeah, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get him on the show, and uh, his rep wow. said to me, he's in camp. Let's see what we can do. So it looks like it'll be a four round exhibition. But um, what, do you, what do you think of that? I think him and him and Mike Tyson, an exhibition match. I was in Saudi Arabia last year. They've got plenty of money with it. They're going to throw money at them. Is that what it's going to be? That's what they're talking about. Saudi Arabia. Say, so, I was over there last year, so I experienced what. They want sports over there, big sports. And I said to my wife the other day, I said, what about getting Nazim Hamed out of retirement? He had to love him over there because he's, mm. he's a Muslim. I'll fight him over there in a rematch. He'll <laughs> 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 pay, pay me a ton of money. You well, know? So, but I think I'll have to do I think I'll have to put about fifty pounds on first. No, I'm buying the wig, and I'm sure he'll come out of come out of his retirement from commentating. They're big they're big names around the world and, and why not? You know, something. If it didn't actually face a match, I think it would be like they'd probably do some funny in it. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the year Biden or something like that. Something would be funny in it. But you know what? In Saudi Arabia, they're willing to pay the money. I take my hat off both guys. And if somebody drops in ten million each, why not? Oh, right. hey, listen. I've had the <laughs> privilege of sitting in Meg's company a couple of times, and for me as a boxing fan, dream come true. Right, genuine dream come true. I got uh, the, the, the night uh, Garcia, Danny Garcia, and Earl Spence was fighting. I was down at his facility there, down by the airport, and was it? We sat down. We watched. It was just an amazing experience to be able to sit and watch these fights with an icon. And I, I must have looked over about twenty, thirty times. Going, is this really happening? Is this really happening? And. Well, it was really He tells he doesn't watch boxing, but that's not true. He knows everything. He knows, right? he knows the old. He knows the old. With matter on him, he needs to sit and watch, study old fights, the old fights. They love the old fighters. And Mike is such a humble, yeah, nice guy. People, people don't realize that he, he just he just loves to be in peace and quiet and sit um, and watch boxing. That's what he likes to do. And they say with 
I've known him for yeah. years, and he always called me the Potter Rocket. He does. He, he does. Daughter, he always calls my daughter. He calls it a little Potter Rocket. Yeah. He does. It's funny because uh, <laughs> when I went and met him and I started talking to him, uh, I was going to ask about you anyway, but immediately heard my accent and went, you sound like the Potter Rocket. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> obviously, we were talking about uh, some of our other fighters, Carl and all that there, and Michael. And, and um, you know, I, of course, had such lovely things to say about them, but... What was really interesting yeah. to me about Mike was how spiritual he was and and, um, and how peaceful and content that he was. And he would tell me that he didn't want to box anymore because he didn't like the person he'd become when he boxed. So I just hope he's not being exploited. I mean, Mike's not the type to let himself be exploited anymore. No. But um, just such a, 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 a really, really nice guy who, um, you know, really when you're sitting in his company, uh, he distances himself from his early part of his career. He tells me it's almost like he doesn't. Yeah. That didn't happen. He doesn't recognize that person. It's interesting. That's just, that's just Mike Tyson is like an icon. Of, like Michael, say Michael Jordan or Vanley Holy or Holyfield and um, Muhammad Ali and stuff. He can go anywhere in the world and people are recognizing him. I mean, so that's that's going to mm-hmm. be for the rest of his life. So no matter where he goes in this world, people will want a piece of him, and it's going to be for a guy who like peace and quiet like that but he's always approachable he's always likable and he and he always loves the fans he's never going to say get away from me he's that type of guy he just loves the fans and yeah. uh, he'll stand talking to an hour and, or two, and, and I'll tell you something else when on that extremely intelligent guy by the way too uh, do not make a mistake of thinking that Mike is not intelligent. Mike is extremely intelligent, very, very deep on topics, very philosophical. Yeah. And uh, like myself, a huge lover of Alan Watts, who is wonderful ph- uh, philosopher on YouTube and has works great for people for grief and mental health. Um, I strongly encourage you to check that out. Folks, so much we talked about. I'm glad to be back doing these with my homie here, with my big brother, Wayne McCullough. This is, we'll be back with you. We'll be back doing these every Every week um and uh please keep downloading and please uh please uh, subscribe to the podcast like i said it's up on multiple different platforms now it's on itunes it's on spotify it's on stitcher it's on google iplay everything we've all got them all up there so keep downloading them folks these are we'll be bringing you different guests we've got lots of people lined up um uh hopefully what we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be interviewing for sure sergio Mora next week from the zone i have him sorted I have uh, Tommy McCarthy, who could be Ireland's first ever black world champion. Uh, he won the cruiserweight, European cruiserweight, world, uh, European cruiserweight title, and um, we uh, we're, we're close to getting Luda Bell on the show. Uh, like I said, we're working on uh, Evander Holyfield. Lots of other guys coming up, uh, and um, we'll have some big names coming up over the next few weeks, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, always a pleasure to speak to this man. Wayne, hi, uh, all the best, mate, and thanks for thanks for joining me. All the best, you too. All the best to the fans too. Thank you. Cheers, folks. Thanks, mate. Bye.